Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. G'day, Lewis. How are you? Daniel, I'm really well. How are you? You're really well. Wow. Why are you so really well? It's December. It's the Christmas spirit. Pine trees in the air. Is it because school's almost over as well? Uh, You know I'm not 16, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, but, you know, the end of of your work. The end of your work is kind of what I'm getting at. I'm not a teacher. No, I know. All right, forget it. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to our new Patreon supporters. A big thank you to Michael DeMudis, Brenda Neville and Leonie Sudrio. Big thank you for that. Now, you can support Irrational Fear by joining the Patreon yourself for as little as $3 US a month. The money goes to us paying the cost of the show and getting various folks to work on it. Uh, And also what you get is an ad-free version of the podcast. You also get access to early lineups and you also get access to our Discord server where we kind of talk about the show together and comedy in general. And you also get, Lewis, 20% mm-hmm. discount to live show tickets because in the new year we are planning some big live shows, including our 100th episode, Lewis. I'm really excited about that, the big the big centenary, uh, the, the ton. I'm thrilled. I, I wanted to, I thought once we got to the nervous 90s, we might, you know, do a Don Bradman and, and go out with an average of 99.92 and never make it. Who knows? There's still time to fail. There is still time to fail. <laughs> we're going to be doing a 100th episode in Sydney at Giant Dwarf in February, so you'll be able to get discount tickets to that. But also, Lewis, we're going on tour. We're going to try and go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival once they announce what's going on there. But also we're going to be doing shows in Newcastle, Cairns, and Thursday Island next year. That's what I love about this introduction, Dan. I find out as much as the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you're going to need to get time off work to come yeah, to Thursday thanks, Island. Thanks for letting me know. I'll try to get the time off. <laughs> um, it's uh, Christmas time and there is no better way to tell someone you love them by saving the planet and giving them a Go Neutral sticker for their car. Uh, for every $90, Go Neutral buy 3.5 tonnes of carbon offsets, which is about the average yearly emissions for a car, and five bucks of that comes to us, particularly when or 
only when you use the special link in our show notes. So please, um, to buy a Go Neutral sticker, head to the show notes, click on through uh, and buy a Go Neutral sticker. I'm recording my end of a rational fear on Gadigal land in the urination. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. A rational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair and Section 44. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, scientists are examining a canister of dust sent back from an asteroid for signs of early life in the universe that one day in the future can be made extinct by a mining company. And at the 2024 Paris Olympics, breakdancing will be featured as a demonstration sport to appeal to the core demographic of Gen Xers who have to pretend to be young. And Apple has released $900 income-cancelling AirPods. It's the 11th of December. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! Welcome to Irrational Fear, the show that takes the scariest stories in the news and cleans them up for dinner with your mother. I'm your host, former captain of SpaceX Starship, Dan Illich. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. One of the sharpest brains probing the zeitgeist and throwing truth bombs on Twitter. It's the master of mirth, hailing from Perth. It's Vijarajan. Welcome, Vijita. Hello. How's everyone doing? Very well, very well. How's Perth doing? It's being Perth. It's really hot today. And for once, I think it's climate appropriate. I don't think it's climate change today. <laughs> and another, another day of trying to secede as well. Some uh, some hot takes from uh, Mark McGowan not coming to the, the cabinet meeting. Oh, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see I mean, that. Typical McGowan at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did his, I don't know. Does his poll numbers go down a point? Is that why <laughs> he brought out the succession talk? And she's one of the busiest stand-ups in show business, despite being COVID nineteen this year. She's absolutely played every major venue in the country that she's allowed, legally allowed to be in. Fresh from gigs at the Sydney Opera House, it's Nikki Britton. Hello, Nikki. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well. Thanks for joining us on Irrational Fear. My absolute pleasure. I've played a few venues that weren't legal as well, but, you know, you've got to make a buck in a pandemic. Where, where did you play? Where did you play? Like Anything can be a venue, really, Dan. You know, you just got to think outside the square. You you have the great privilege this year, Nikki, of having done the Opera House full and empty. Yeah. Bizarre times. I did the Joan Sutherland Theatre, beautiful theatre. The actual opera the theatre. The actual, actual, that's exactly right. The Opera Theatre uh, uh, at the Opera House. Incredible. Uh, where they usually have the operas and the ballets and things. So there is no way that they were going to get these filthy mouth little raconteurs <laughs> to do their 10 minutes in any other year, except now operas and ballets, the cast's too big to make it legal. So uh, I did a, a streaming show there with 12 people in the audience who were all wonderful front of house employees from the Sydney (laughs) Opera House and at three o'clock in the afternoon they didn't really want to hear about my um, filthy jokes but bless their hearts for being there and then the other night we did um, about 700 in the Joan Sutherland so Started from the bottom, now you're here. (laughs) (laughs) The best of times, the worst of times. They say you play the Joan Sutherland Theatre twice in your career, once on the way up and once on the way down. That's exactly right. And he was arrested once for being mistaken for the Slender Man. It's Lewis Hover. 
COVID pounds on, Dan. Uh, coming up, we talk with Asad Razouk, who's the host of the Angry Clean Energy Guy podcast out of Singapore, about Australia's latest ranking on the Climate Change Performance Index. Spoiler alert, we are total pieces of shit. But first, here is our sponsor for tonight. Ho, ho, ho. Peter Dutton here, wishing you and your family a Merry Christmas and reminding you that just like Santa Claus, I'm keeping a list of who is naughty and nice. Previously, if you were an Australian citizen and you made a joke about a minister, for instance, I don't know, looking like a potato, there was no way ASIO could legally tap your phone or jingle your bell. But as of today, ASIO can be my own personal elf on a shelf and I can spy on anyone I want, foreign or Australian, or Australian that looks a bit foreign, or worse, the leader of the Greens. So, if you're going to make certain jokes about certain ministers, remember, potatoes have eyes, and they can see when you are sleeping, and they know when you're awake. (laughs) Just consider yourself lucky that Santa Claus isn't coming by boat. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Authorised, unopposed by Peter Dutton, Canberra. (laughs) It's always good to have Peter Dutton's money. The first fear this week, the New South Wales Premier may have pulled off a magic trick more impressive than David Blaine flying with a bunch of helium balloons and farting on TV at the same time. Yes, a New South Wales inquiry into the allocation of more than $250 million of local government grants has heard that the Premier Gladys Berejiklian announced $255,000 for a council in the seat of Wagga during the 2018 by-election, months before... The application was lodged and processed. (laughs) Some are saying this is not pork barrelling. This is just extremely efficient distribution of money to an area of the country where the Premier's boyfriend happened to be a member of parliament in. But um, what do we know? Did we know? Is it magic? Is it not? The Premier is, you know, actually really good at magic. In October, the Premier made some documents relating to how $140 million worth of grants were allocated. Simply disappear! <laughs> uh, Vijay Rajan, uh, how is the New South Wales Premier pulling off these incredible magic tricks? Oh, I mean, she's just so skilled at this. Uh, she also managed to defeat COVID in between, you know, her test and um, appearing in Parliament. You know, she just knew she didn't have it. She's very intuitive. She's a really special woman. (laughs) I don't know, but, you know, I think maybe people are going too far on this one because it's really hard being, like, a woman um, who has a job and has things to manage. Um, And poor Gladys, who finally found love, uh, and we're all coming down on her. Like you've got to, you've got to do things to keep a man. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, the love languages. There's five love languages. It's how you show love in a relationship. Right. There's um, compliments, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and of course gifts. And I really feel um, Daryl Maguire, that's uh, Gladys's boyfriend. I know that he's really into gifts. So she was just doing what she needed to keep him. So. You know, feminism, back off. <laughs> uh, Nikki, do you agree with this uh, this this take, this hot take? Look, yeah, I I kind of respect Jixie for, like, just being prepared to burn it all down for love. You know, she's got a lot on the line and she's like, nah, mate, 
da- like her and Daryl in their leathers riding off into the sunset on the back of a Harley just down to Wagga or back <laughs> or across the border maybe. That's best at this point. Just like I love that. I love that about her. It's, you know, it's, it should be. I know that, you know, um, Baz Luhrmann's remaking Australia, I think I heard. No. I, I heard that, hor- that horrible rumour. No. But I feel yeah. like it should be about Gladys and Daryl. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. She, I mean, she's not a politician doing dirty deeds. She's a woman holding on with white <laughs> knuckles. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know if you've had a look at Daryl ever speaking or saying anything, um, what it really tells me is that they have a very physically satisfying relationship <laughs> because you've heard him speak. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, you know, the Guardian actually reports uh, so far the Premier has declined an invitation to appear mm-hmm. before the inquiry. First of all, it's nice to be invited, isn't it? It's just nice to be invited somewhere to go do something. Yeah. But secondly, a yeah. magician never reveals her tricks. It's also like, you know, she's just she's standing up for women. Like I feel like the suffragettes walked so Gladys could run away from accountability. Um, you know? Uh, Lewis, is Absolutely. this? would you ever try to forge a relationship with a premier to, you know, get something uh, funded of your own? Uh, well, again, I work for the ABC. I don't imagine <laughs> I, I could be a good enough lover to get some money out of a liberal premier. <laughs> <laughs> it's some... That is some incredible lovemaking. What about you? Would, yeah. would you would you ever consider to forge a relationship with the Premier to get something funded of your own? Uh, look, I've, I've had this kind of behaviour m- modelled to me through several uh, international boyfriends who wanted visas. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm familiar with um, how it goes. I definitely, yeah, look. Is it is it someone who's going to fund the arts? Yes, I would have a relationship <laughs> with a premier and or Nikki. A politician. We would all support you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it for my community, guys. As someone like just reading the news, it's quite confronting when you're trying to just stay generally across Gladys Berejiklian news, and you're getting uh, sort of two streams of news. One is about her sexual relationship, and the other one is about pork barreling. Because when you just open the article, it says, you know, pork yeah. barreling Daryl Maguire. You're like, oh, I hope this is money and not the other thing. Yeah. Irrational fear. The Premier's own backyard is a worst example of pork barreling you can find. Okay, second fear this week. Out of nowhere, 260 unidentified, unsolicited mystery seed parcels have been found in letterboxes around Australia this year. Uh, These are the ones that have actually made it through the net. Over 45,000 other seed parcels have been stopped at the border. Seeds make up 75% of biosecurity interceptions. The rest are my relatives bringing food back from overseas. Fear mongers, (laughs) what the hell is going on here? Nikki Britton? Guys, um, I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but I'm just thrilled. This is the heartwarming story that we needed in 2020, you know, because you know who's winning out of this story are the biosecurity staff and the sniffer dogs. They've had nothing to do in Australia for the last nine months. They are thrilled to pieces. They've had, they. I mean, they, how are they going to work from home when their primary 
their primary job is to just interrogate backpackers who have foreign <laughs> nectarines in their luggage. You know what I mean? They haven't had a chance to inspect the, a hiking boot tread for any shred of organic material. How have their eyebrows coped with nothing to do for nine months because they haven't had the opportunity to furrow in judgment when you suggest on your entry form that you have not brought back wood carvings from Fiji. Of course you did. <laughs> the workmanship's impeccable. How could you resist? It's, it's very good of you to point that out, Nikki, because they, they've been really suffering. They haven't been able to racially profile anyone in so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. You know? That's exactly and like, right. But there's so many people in, like, India's like a COVID nightmare. Uh, I know so, like, that's usually their bread and butter, so. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, the United States Department of Agriculture believes that the mystery seeds, this is happening all around the world, by the way, um, in, in, in the US, they reckon it's part of something called a brushing scheme, which involves sellers sending unsolicited items, which are typically light and easy to ship. Some people have reported getting unsolicited Ray-Bans in the mail. Some people have reported getting unsolicited Grant Denyers in the mail. Uh, it's pretty wow. It's pretty phenomenal. And then they Post fake reviews to boost sales. What what are they? What, what are they trying to b- boost sales of? More seeds? If it's a if it's a brushing scam, guys, I, I might have an idea about who's doing it. <laughs> guys, yeah, yeah, brushing hackers. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, yeah. I'll see you guys later. Oh wow. Irrational fear. This is. A rational fear. Perhaps the scariest news story circulating the, the net this week is that KFC is making a feature film on the Lifetime channel starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders. Here is the trailer, if you've missed it. A Lifetime original mini-movie. You don't answer my proposal, and now you're not answering my call. I think I'm falling for the new chef. Jessica is falling for Harlan. The cook? Leave Jessica alone and skip town. He has a secret recipe that's going to change the world. Harlan claims to have some secret recipe. A secret recipe? (laughs) Spare me. We all have our secrets. If you marry my daughter, I promise there'll be more long weekends in your future. Mom, I have to tell you something. We have a problem. Secrets out, chicken man. I'll take care of this. Ruining everything! Just kill him already! Who the hell are you? Harlan Sanders. The new chef. Mario Lopez is Colonel Sanders in a recipe for seduction. Premieres December 13th at noon, only on Lifetime. Presented by Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> oh, can't wait for that. That's pretty extraordinary. Uh, who's excited about the KFC film? Nikki? I mean, I don't even know where to begin. It's, it is described as a mini movie, mm. which I'm sure they mean short film. I'm but sure have maybe like, just been <laughs> under the pump. A mini movie from KFC. Wouldn't that be just a nugget movie? Hey, <laughs> here it is, just a bite-sized chunk of a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I have some like deep teenage fantasies about Mario Lopez <laughs> from Saved by the Bell days. So this is I'm in a real conundrum here. I mean, am I turned on by the eleven secret herbs and spices? Sure, now? sure. Sure. It's finger licking good, guys. On yeah. two levels now. That joke works on two levels. <laughs> do you guys? Do you guys think it's kind of effective? Effective marketing, Vidya? <laughs> it's so good. Like it's such good. Mar- Everyone's gonna hate watch it, and 
they're going to have a bucket of chicken in their lap while they do this because it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it gets in your head. It's perfect. I <laughs> am vegetarian and I kind of want to buy KFC now. <laughs> Is it going to spur, do you think, uh, like a copycat series from uh, like every fast food chain? Oh. Like will there be a sort of... Uh, like Ocean's Eleven heist of the Hamburglar. I'm, mm. I'm really glad you brought sure. this up uh, because locally some people are getting in on the act, including uh, Red Rooster. Uh, have a listen to this. The following trailer contains adult themes and gratuitous plucking. From the people who brought you KFC's Recipe for Seduction and McDonald's Mayor's McTease comes an all-new, all-Australian romantic fast food drama. Are you red, red, ready, red, red? You're so hot. Your legs, your breasts and your skin is so... Well, I was going to say crispy. Are you ready right now? He's my man. You can get stuffed. Oh, yeah? You're the chicken. So, if you eat chicken salt, is that like cannibalism or what? (laughs) That's hot. Are you red, red, ready, red, red? A Rational Fear presents Red Rooter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) One chicken, one cock, and a Sunday spit roast to remember. Red Rooter. When love takes you under its wing, it can leave you in pieces. <laughs> there we go. I believe it's rated R. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I would pay for that. That is hot. <laughs> All right, moving back into truly scary topics, the heat death of the earth and what exactly Australia is doing to prevent it. As it turns out, not very much, but uh, we are getting better. According to the Climate Change Performance Index, when it comes to climate action, Australia has jumped from the bottom of the ladder up to rankings from 56 to 54. Well done, Australia. We are finally beating petro states like Iran, Saudi Arabia and Kazakhstan when it comes to climate action. We did it. One day we'll be better than Russia and Belarus and Lithuania. We'll get there. Who knows? In fact, this weekend there is a United Nations Summit on Climate Change where countries who have made recent gigantic leaps and bounds in their climate policy have been invited to talk to other world leaders about what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, And guess who isn't invited? Uh, Scott Morrison. There are two things that happened this week. On Saturday, the Asian Sydney Morning Herald celebrated a huge shift in climate policy from Australia because it was leaked to them that the federal government wouldn't be using Kyoto carryover credits in order to reach its Paris targets, which is kind of like celebrating Lance Armstrong for not using drugs to win the Tour de France. Well done. You didn't cheat the usual way. Excellent. Then on Tuesday, Catherine Murphy from The Guardian reported that inside this week's cabinet meeting, there'd been actually no decision on carryover credits and that we shouldn't get, so we shouldn't basically give up on Australia cheating its way across the line with its Paris climate obligations too soon. We can still cheat. That's, that's really good news for everyone. Joining us to tell us just how the world sees Australia at this moment is Asad Razouk. He hosts the podcast, The Angry Clean Energy Guy, but he's also the co-founder and CEO of a company that finances, builds and operates renewable energy projects right across Asia. Asad, thank you so much for joining us at Irrational Fear. Lovely to be here. Thank you. <laughs> and that just tells how, how does how does the rest of the world kind of see Australia at this moment? 
I've been thinking about how to summarize it. And I think, you know, maybe an image you can take away is the following. You're at, you're at a dinner party. <laughs> Australia's there. Australia's got a massive gas indigestion <laughs> and bloating. And it's making noises that are just annoying everybody else around that dinner table. Mm. And in Australia's case, that gas is actually real. It's because of an obsession with natural gas and coal and kind of fighting last the, the, the battle of the, the previous 20 years as opposed to the, the next 20 years. And so it's in this odd situation where it's annoying everybody, but it's kind of enough far away that you don't have to worry about it daily. <laughs> I know that that kind of makes the sense, but is there any, is there animosity between you know our neighbours and us about how we kind of uh, not taking any action on climate change? No, I think the best uh, movement for change in Australia is going to be Australians th- themselves. It's not going to be uh, pressure from abroad, except that the Chinese and the Japanese and the Indians eventually are going to buy a lot less gas and, and coal from Australia. And of course, the Australians, you know, are making a difference at a citizen level. Because if you look at that that climate change performance in the index ranking in detail, what you see is that in renewable energy, actually, because Australian households and some of the Australian states are actually enthusiastic about renewables, the situation could be worse. I know it's only 54th overall out of 61 countries, but it could have been 60th or 61st because it is actually 60th on climate policy. So it's literally bottom of the pack on climate policy. Of course, because uh, the United States is about to go through an epic transition and an epic pivot to actually take over the rest of that list. And probably by this time next year, they'll be at the top of the list rather than the bottom. What advice do you have for Australia to kind of pick up its act? Well, on current trends next year, Australia will be together with Iran, Saudi Arabia, Kazakhstan and Russia. Yes! (laughs) Bringing up the rear. (laughs) Literally these four. So there is a problem with the governing party because they seemingly just don't get it. They don't want to get it. They have too many friends in coal and gas. And it's quite a difficult problem because there's not much of a solution other than the states doing more, the citizens doing more, and then an election, literally. You know, what else, can, what, else, what else can be done if the cabinet just wouldn't do anything and actually is moving in some ways the wrong way by backing, you know, more gas and so more bloating and so more noise. And it's going to just play out this way for a little while. It's a bad dinner party. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good one. <laughs> I mean, everyone's very down on us being, being last, but it's, you know, it's not always about whether you win or lose. You know, sometimes it's just if you're in the running, someone needs to come last. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't think Australia can Steve Bradbury its way out of this one, which is our usual technique. I love the fact that the Australians are pissed off by and large. And so, you know, something will happen because the government is not actually carrying public opinion. And, you know, you're going to have massive fires again 
right now. And so this is going to be even more in the consciousness. Fraser Island, I mean, I know it's got only 200 people, but it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and I think two-thirds of it is already gone. This is this year. And so the, the topic is going to stay in the consciousness of everybody, and eventually something is going to have to give at a federal level. When it comes to changing that federal level in terms of their policy, um, what do you think will be the main lever for that? What do you think will be the main reason that they will actually change their policy? They, they won't hold the line once Biden is in charge because between the China uh, net zero commitment, the Japanese one, the South Korea one, uh, and, and then the Americans on top of the EU, I think Australia will probably fall in line. Reluctantly and problematically, but probably. I don't know, Assad. Uh, we have deep carbon lobby issues in Australia. We All of a sudden, our biggest trading partner could be Russia, if we're any <laughs> Everybody does. You know, everybody has a deep vested interest carbon lobby, but eventually everybody got out of those shackles. And I hope, you know, the federal, the, the, actually, it's not even a federal government problem. It's just a ruling party problem, you know. So it's inside. The, and even within that ruling party, you know, the former prime minister is no longer with the program. Well, I mean, the opposition still had a problem with uh, a member of its party in the Labor Party basically saying that they should uh, stop talking about climate change. So it's not hugely heartening in Australia. <laughs> it's not, but uh, unfortunately, uh, sadly, the, the new fire season is going to remind everybody, and I bet you this time the Prime Minister is not going to go on holiday uh, and not come back uh, again. We have such short memories. I think there's nothing will change until we have an election in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what you you want. Like you want a to summer be, election. Yeah, like yeah, the country's on fire, and we have to like duck around the fires and the floods and the yeah. rain to get. You to want the, to have uh, to like battle through smoke to get to the polling center, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you can't allow life. time for another um, global catastrophe. Like by the time pandemic hit, you'd already forgotten about the fires. And next yeah. year, by the time the sandstorms or the locusts hit, mm-hmm. we'll have forgotten about the pandemic. You know, you've got to get the election at the exact yeah. right sweet spot, the Goldilocks zone of climate change. Yeah, you want to get it sometime between COVID-20 and COVID-21. That's when you want it. <laughs> yeah, this is going to turn to a Fast and the Furious franchise. We'll be at like, yeah, COVID, still COVIDing. <laughs> at least the bushfire election, the sausage sizzles will be uh, easier. Just reach out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing not powered by gas. No yeah. Assad, one of the one of the most impressive kind of movers on the climate change performance index is India. India is in the top twenty of those nations, and you've got projects in India. What kind of changes have you seen across South Asia when it comes to embracing um, climate action? India has been amazing, but so has, by the way, Bangladesh, for example. Look, the the political will top down is there. You have to remember that in all these countries, in China, for example, as well, the, the population is dying from pollution. And so the issue is very emotive. It's not some concept about climate change that's moving anything. Mm. It's actually air pollution. And the coronavirus actually made air pollution worse 
because there's been studies that basic scientific studies over the last few weeks that actually showed that if you have higher pollution in this city versus that one, then the coronavirus death rate is also higher, right? So it's all it's all linked. Wow. And so and so India is very serious about what they're doing in terms of renewable energy. Bangladesh is in the process of canceling something like 90 coal plants. The Chinese are incredibly serious as well. Uh, everybody's getting really serious around Australia. And Japan, by the way, is now has just joined the bandwagon. And all these are Australia's biggest markets for its fossil fuels, right? So something, as I said, something is going to give. Otherwise, Australia asset prices are going to change. Mm. For you, like, what is the, uh, what's like the most hopeful story you can tell us about this space? What's the, what's the one thing that you kind of, you know, in your day-to-day uh, operation keeps you going? Well, if you flash back to uh, the, the 2008, 2010, uh, the coal capital of China, which I know very well because we've developed some renewables projects there is called Taiwan, the city of Taiwan in Shanxi province. I remember when I first visited, uh, you could see the problem from coal in people, in the color of people's teeth and in their skin. Mm. If you visit today, the city is 100% electric taxis, 100% electric buses. There is literally no more air pollution in that town. Wow. And the coal mining has really cleaned up their act, on top of, of course, having moved quite a bit towards uh, renewable energy. And so, frankly, if one of the poorest cities in China can do a complete turnaround, I think Australia can as well, Dan. So, you know, that's, that's I think, the lessons, there's so many heartening lessons in China and in India, Bangladesh, Indonesia, the Philippines, along these lines. Assad, but we're just poor little Australia. We're, we've just been we've just been like riding off the back of a mining boom for the last twenty years. None of us have any money. We spend it all on big TVs. Assad, we can't possibly do it. Assad, the, the private sector is doing it in Australia. You know about that that uh, the the Mike Cannon Brooks project, for example. He's been uh, on this show. Yeah, uh, yeah. Of of eventually building a humongously large renewable energy power plant and exporting solar and hydrogen to Asia. And then uh, Fortescue, the mining company, also seems to have seen the light and announced the single biggest commitment to renewable energy in the history of the world, right? So, so people are moving in Australia and they're moving big. It's literally just the governing party, which is just the odd man out. Assad, if you could say one thing to prevent you from getting a visa to Australia about Australia's climate <laughs> policy, what would it be? <laughs> to prevent me to getting a visa. Uh, hmm, I mean, I mean, you do, one. your podcast is the angry clean energy guy, but you've been incredibly moderate on this podcast. <laughs> oh, have I? No, well, you know, I mean, I've been moderate, frankly, because the, 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 the governing party, the future of Australia and the future of climate policy is simply not in the hand of the governing party. So they can pretend what they want. I mean, it's happening with or without them. So I, I am, you know, angry and, and in some 
respects, but actually quite optimistic about about Australia in you know in particular, because nobody's listening. The private sector isn't listening, and the citizens aren't listening. And you've got the highest rate of household solar in the world. Plus, we're already right? so shit that it won't take much to get better. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. So as long as nobody's listening to the government, you know, we're good. Uh, well, Assad, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. It's great to get a, a global a global perspective of, of where Australia sits. Uh, a big thank you to all our guests tonight, Nikki Britton, Vijay Rajan, Lewis Hobber. Uh, have you guys got anything to plug? Assad, do you want to plug anything? No, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Vidya, would you like to plug anything? No, I mean, just follow me on Twitter. I put my sketches up there, et cetera, et cetera. Nikki Britton, have you got shows coming up? Um, I've actually written a Christmas pantomime um, that's happening in Sydney next week at Giant Dwarf on Wednesday the 16th. Hooray! It's called Christmas is Cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's all about Santa... Being a cis, straight, white guy <laughs> of a certain age, just really um, getting everything wrong and not being very woke. Uh, but it's actually very irreverent, super fun, and it's raising money for performers and artists who have had a really tough year. So oh, that is come along. brilliant. Lewis, do you have anything to plug this week? No, that sounds much nicer. Go to Nikki's thing. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Giant Dwarf next Thursday. A big thank you to Roadmarks, the Bertha Foundation, Go Neutral, our wonderful Patreon supporters, David Bluestein, Ads, Gabby Bolt, Robbie McGregor, uh, Jacob Brown on the Teppanyaki timeline. Usually I'd say next week there's something to be scared of, good night, but hang around because I'll leave you with Gabby Bolt's sultry red rooster theme, which was too good to not play on its own. Uh, here it is here. We didn't know if we'd have to use it or not, so I'd, we did kind of used a little bit of it. Let me play. Here we go. Do you remember Aussie Sundays when your mom would start to cook? You could smell the sweet aroma of a true blue Aussie chook. Remember how you used to think that chook was worth the wait? Red Brewster does so they cook it right to make it Sunday every day. Are you ready? This chicken is ready. Are you ready? Ready right now. Are you ready? This chicken is ready. Are you red, red, ready, red, red? Are you ready? This chicken is ready. Are you ready? Are you ready right now? Ready? This chicken is ready. Red, red, ready, red, 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 ready. Are you red, red, ready, red, red? Big thank you, Gabby Bolt, who's just put a comment on the Facebook stream. I can't believe y'all playing this right now. <laughs> Thanks for Oh, yeah, me too. I'm going to go get myself a flavour wrap. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for a great show. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.